For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. You should have seen us gunning Passing the folks along the road Just as they were standing All the lads and lasses there All the smiling faces Gunning along the Scotswood Road To see the bleeding races We went to bleeding races Twas on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon We took the bus from Bambras And she was heavy laden Away we went along Collinwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Oh, me lads, you should have seen us gunning Hello and welcome to a special episode of CHN Radio I'm your host Graham Bell With me is a former Newcastle United number 9 A legend, none other than Supermac himself Malcolm McDonald, how are you doing Malcolm? Good, thanks, Graham. Yes, uh, thoroughly enjoying lockdown. I have done, and I'm only kidding on that. It's the most dreadful of times, isn't it? It it is. How have you been finding it so far? Lockdown is it? Um, has it been um, horrible, or have you learned new skills or anything like that? Oh no, it, I've I've just found it very frustrating. Um, uh, my wife and I we sort of steered on a new course business wise, and uh, and, and just as uh, we changed course, it, it all got suspended. So, uh, yeah, very frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. It, I think it's frustrating for, for everyone. Um, so for everyone, it's, yes, that's right. So, yeah, so, nobody's suffering more than anybody else, really, are yeah. they? It's, it's all it's, the same for everyone. Yeah, as soon as we can get out of it, the, the better, really. Um, so that was that was quite a serious start to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but um, you played um, 14 times for England and you scored six goals um, and five of those were in one game against Cyprus. Um, do, you, do you feel like you should have featured more for, for England? Well, if Alf Ramsey had, had remained England manager, I, I think, yes, I would have done. Yeah. Um, but Don Revy, uh, he didn't like me very much. Why, I don't know, he never said. But what I would assume is that uh, I have a habit of scoring winning goals against Leeds United on a regular <laughs> basis. Um, and a couple of those goals um, helped to deny them winning the um, first division. Um, over a couple of seasons, so uh, so I, I think in his mind somewhere there was a bit of a grudge on me, and um, and when I joined, um, he wasn't very pleasant to me at all. Mm. When he when he did finally call me up, um, he had three games where they struck where England struggled for goals mm. um, from him getting the job, and and then he called me up. And that because there was a huge clamour in the press um, that England needed goals. I was the leading goal scorer at the time. Um, and so uh, uh, um, when I arrived at the hotel for the first game, which was, um, it was against West Germany. Right. 
it was their first game after winning the World Cup. So, and they and they put out the full side yeah. that have won the World Cup. And uh, when I arrived at the hotel for this particular match, uh, and I I said, "Man, we've done a report in on um, no um, no injuries from the game yesterday." Uh, Don Revy said, um, "He said I don't want you here. I feel you're being forced on me by the press." And uh, and so if you don't score on Wednesday, I'll never pick you again. Uh. And that was that was basically the start of of our relationship as as him, England manager, and me, England player. And as it so happens, went out against West Germany in the first half. Colin Bell scored midway through the half, and with about 15 minutes to go, uh, uh, Mick Shannon was fouled on the inside right position just outside the penalty area. And as he was getting up, Alan Ball overlapped and Mick just nudged it with his knee into Paulie's path. And Paulie just first time clipped it over to the far post. And I was there and nodded it in from about three yards. And so I had scored. We beat them 2-0. And... Um, uh, and he came into the dressing room and he went to Peter Shilton. Uh, yeah. Well done, Peter. Shook him by the hand um, to Colin Todd, David Nish, the four, five, six, seven. Got to the eight, Mick Shannon yeah. shook his hand and said, well played. Um, and then walked straight past me, ignored me completely, um, shook hands with the 10 and the 11 and walked out the door. Wow. Um, and Alan Ball, who never missed a trick, Paulie, never missed a trick. And he said, I saw that. Um, and I, I said, yeah, well, and I told him the story. He said, oh, right. He said, uh, let's see what happens in the next game. And the next game, of course, was Cyprus. And yeah. uh, I arrived at the hotel, reported that I was perfectly fit from the game the previous day. No injuries. And he said, the same applies as last time. If you don't score, I'll never pick you again. And of course, I, I went and scored five. Um, I was the only scorer on the night. And, and after the game, he, he came into the dressing room, shook hands with Peter Shilton, David Nish, Colin Todd, went all the way around, went, blanked me, wow. uh, shook hands with the other two guys and walked out the door. <sighs> That's, a, that's Paulie, Paulie just sat there with his mouth open, shaking his head. He said, I don't believe that. He said, you've just, you've just um, equaled the England record, created a, a record at, at Wembley, he said, and the manager ignores you. And so, so it was, it, they were difficult times. Yeah. Um, and then Revy left, of course, in... Um, in, in not very pleasant um, circumstances uh, in the manner that he, he, he uh, went. And Ron Greenwood took over and, and I just wasn't a Ron Greenwood player. Mm. You know, that Hursty and I, we, we, were, t we were poles apart. Yeah. And, you know, and Hursty was uh, um, the kind of player that Ron Greenwood wanted. Um, you know, I was sort of uh, quick, and I would, you know, and I'd be running at goal all the while, you know, and, and I 
I didn't have that unique way of playing within yeah. the team that uh, Hursty had. He was quite special. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, and so that was it. My England career pretty much diminished. And yet, uh, um, at the time, and I, was, I, I, and I was still a Newcastle player and I went on to Arsenal, I was finishing top goal scorer every season. So it sort of left me scratching the head a bit. Yeah. Uh, did you have like any other... Well, any interaction with Don Revy before going into the England squad, other than obviously scoring against Leeds? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> not a lot really, because uh, it, at, at um, Leeds would come to St James Park, um, and and they they were needing points in their chase for the title, and we and we would beat them. Time and again, we'd beat them at St James Park and deny them the points. So, uh, you know, I, I, there was there was one particular year. I think it was '73, where Derby County had finished their season. They were top of the table, and and Leeds United were second with two games in hand, yeah. and they were one point behind. And all they needed was a win, um, uh, to, and and they would win the title. And they had two games left: Newcastle away and Wolves away. And 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 the Nottingham, uh, sorry, the Derby County team with Cluffy in yeah. charge, they had already shot off to Mallorca or somewhere like that. Um, and they were all sunning themselves around the pool, um, sitting top of the table. But but it was a sort of really nervous time for them. Um, awaiting the Leeds results and uh, and, and uh, we were the first game um, this was the I think it was the um, on the Tuesday after the cup final where Leeds had uh, um, I think they'd beaten um, Arsenal um, uh, was it uh, or an Arsenal beaten Leeds anyway um, it's a long time back now um, um, and and so we played and we beat them 1-0. I scored about 20 minutes from the end. And, and then they had to go to uh, Molyneux, play Wolves. And Wolves beat them 2-0. And so that was it. You know, and, and I just look back on times like that and think, you know, well, you know, perhaps Revy, he sort of, um, it was his way of getting his own back on on me constantly scoring against them. Yeah, kind of basically a sense of bitterness, I suppose. Um, and yeah, and just, yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, it, it just seems a bit strange because obviously, yeah, and, yet, and yet when you talk with the Leeds players, they absolutely loved him. They, they, he was like a second father to yeah. all of them. Yeah, you know, and they thought that the world of him, but. A lot of players who weren't Leeds players, but came across him, of course, with, when he was manager of England, just couldn't get on with him at all. Alan Ball was one. Mm. You know, I, I, um, I remember in the England um, squad, we, we, we were due to go abroad. Um, we always went away to play three games at the end of the season after the home championships. Uh, and, um, and Don Revy, he... he in the meeting, he said, um, okay, so now I shall be announcing the, the squad to go on the tour for um, a, a bit later. Uh, but uh, for now, he said, I just want to let you know, he said, 
that I've negotiated with the FA. Um, and he said, and I'm getting you more money and I'm getting you this. And I, and Bully, he piped up and he said, I don't need money to play for England. He said, I'm an Englishman. I'm proud to play for my country. I don't need money. Um, and he sort of took the wind out the sails of <laughs> at that time, you know. So there was yeah. there was a lot of friction going on between Revy and a number of players. Mm, that's that, that's that's just amazing to me because obviously you were you were such a a great goal scorer and to to kind of I don't know manage you in that way is just criminal, really. Um, so do you have any kind of regrets and and sort of like? hoped that, uh, looking back now, hoped that there was another manager in charge at the time so you could have had more of a, an international career, I suppose? No, I don't have, I don't have regrets. Um, I, I would have liked Alf Ramsey to have stayed on. Yeah. I thought the world of Alf. Um, and uh, he, he, he was absolutely honest with everybody. You know, sometimes it hurt when he was brutally honest. Um, but he, he, he let you know exactly where you stood with him. Yeah. You know, and um, and I appreciated that. Um, and, you know, and he would come up, put his arm around you and say, look, son, at the end of this trip, when you, when you get back to your club, I want you to work on this, 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 and this. You know, and he'd give you sort of like a little verbal list of things that he felt that you could improve on um, back at your club. And, and so uh, he, he, he didn't just look to use his players, he looked to improve them as well. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, and uh, I thought the world of him, I thought the um, Football Association treated him abominably, mm. absolutely abominably. Um, I, I actually played in his last game. Right. And we went to Portugal and we were in Lisbon um, and, and, and we played against a very good Portuguese side. Alf had left a lot of the old heads, a lot of the 66 World Cup winning side, a lot of the 1970 side. He had left them out. Mm. And... We were basically, other than a couple of players who were old heads, Orly and Martin Peters, um, we were basically a bunch of kids. Um, I think Mick Shannon and I were the next most senior players. Yeah. Um, and, and we were just like 23. Um, and, and there was Trevor Brooking, Kevin Keegan um, coming through. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, oh dear me! What was his name? The, the um, uh, centre half of Coventry. He—he uh, he was in there. Anyway, so it was a very young side that Alf put out, and we played against this very good Portuguese side. It was an experienced side, and it finished a nil-nil draw. And it was the most frustrating of games. We could have had ten. The keeper was unbelievable. We were hitting the woodwork. Defenders were kicking it off the line. You know, and it was just one of those really frustrating nights. Um, 
where it just we just couldn't get it over the line. And in the dressing room afterwards, I remember Alf, Alf saying, well, he said, don't worry about it. He said, look at the way you played. He said, it will come right. Yeah. He said, you were all absolutely magnificent. And the team were magnificent. It was, it was a great performance. Some of the football was absolutely scintillating. And Alf was sacked after that. <laughs> After that game, and yeah. we just couldn't—we, the England players, just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it at all, um, because it was that change from the old guard, and here was this new, young, very exciting team um, that that Alf um, had put together, and and he was sacked, and 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 I, I thought that was the one of the most extraordinary decisions ever made by the Football Association. And they'd taken some extraordinary decisions, but that was the most the extraordinary. One, yeah. uh, and, uh, and Alf really didn't deserve it. You know, when, when you think how the German FA um, absolutely lords the, um, uh, um, the German players, the German managers who have, who have done well for the country, and in England, we 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 just don't we don't appreciate nor respect. No, it's, all, or certainly the FA doesn't. Yeah, and that it's it's a it's a strange one really because there's also the press as well. So if if you do poorly in a, a tournament, then there's well, yeah, the attack it's, it's on the players. It's a good point and... that you raise, um, Graham. It, yeah, it's a very good point because Alf never got close to. Uh, to the press, mm. um, and uh, and he clashed with them quite, quite often, um, and so uh, I, um, yeah, I, good heavens, yes, I, I remember one time, and, and ironically, this was prior to the the, the Portugal game that I've just talked about, that, um, out, which turned out to be Alf's last game. Alf came to us. Um, on the um, on on the Monday morning, the game was on the Wednesday, uh, and he said, "I have been approached by the general press group, and they have requested that they be allowed to come into a meeting room with all of the players and have individual interviews." He said, are you up for that? And so Alan Ball was the skipper and he came and he said, well, what do you think, lads? You know, do you want to, you know, on Tuesday afternoon after training, the day before the game, do you want to sit down with all the press um, uh, and answer all their questions? Um, and we said no, to be honest. You know, that's not the right time to do it the yeah. day before a, a, a game. And, and so we said, um, no, not for us. And so Alan uh, Bawley went back to Alf and he said, look, I've had a chat with all the guys and, and they would much prefer not to do it. Mm. And Alf said, okay. Alf went to the press and said, I have considered your request and I have decided no. <laughs> Never put the blame on the players. Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, and the press just turned on it. 
Yeah. Absolutely two of them. Yeah. But it's 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 good that he protects players. Um and sort yeah, of absolutely. Sort of moving on from from England, um like as as you know, like around around these parts, um, all the kids and and that sort of dream to, to play for the hometown town club, Newcastle. Um you were able to do that for Fulham, um, you know, growing up there. How did that feel for you? Is is it more of a special feeling than playing for uh, another club? Well, uh, I know um, I know a lot of players who who were bo- were born in the um, in you know in Tyneside, and they joined Newcastle United, and they still live in this area. Yeah, and every you know we. Um, before lockdown, we were sort of having regular um, get-togethers um, in Newcastle Centre, and um, and there could be oh anything from sixty to a hundred ex-players, mm. you know, and some of them never really made it. You know, they started off at Newcastle as youngsters, but then moved on to other clubs. But they were still a part of of the heritage of Newcastle United. That was great. But when I was at Fulham, I went there, I was signed by Bobby Robson, right. who, had been, who had been a player um, on, uh, um, for two different spells at Fulham. Um, and uh, I, I can tell you a lovely story about Bobby in, in, in a minute, if you like. But, but Bobby, he was the manager and all the the vast majority of the rest of the team were his old teammates and i've always thought it difficult for for a manager to manage his old teammates yeah. It, it's yeah. not easy um and and it was a bad time that fulham were going through yeah and they sort of rebelled against bobby robson who who he was a realist and he, he and he was looking to move the old guard on to bring through a, a lot of very good youngsters that were there at the club and in the end the senior players um they rebelled against um bobby and 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 in the end uh, the chairman tommy trinder the great comedian um he sacked bobby robson mm. now it, it worked out that I, Bobby Robson had put me in the side and in my first game, it was away at Oxford, I scored two, but both were disallowed for other people being offside. Um, and, but then in the, in, in the ensuing five games, um, I scored a goal in each game. Yeah. So I had become the leading goal scorer with five goals and only played six games. Um, and I don't think anybody else had actually scored more than one. And and when I played uh, my ga- the, my home debut, which was against Crystal Palace, um, the, Fulham had gone um, something like 940 minutes without scoring a goal. And so the press were making a, a big thing about about reaching the thousand minute mark. Yeah. And so I, this was my home debut for Fulham, and uh, 
and we played on a Friday night against Crystal Palace and it so happened and midway through the first half um, I went through around the um, John Jackson the keeper and slid it in slid the ball into the net we were 1-0 up we had finally scored um, and and having knocked it into the net only one person in the Fulham team came and said well done to me <laughs> that was the state of the club at the time can you imagine that happening at, you know at St James Pie just it just would never happen, no matter what the circumstance. Yeah. But at Fulham, one person came and said, well done, you know, and everybody else just walked away. Um, and even the um, Crystal Palace players noticed, and they said, oh, what have you done uh, to deserve that? Anyway, um, so, uh, uh, yeah, and at the end of my six games, Bobby Robson was sacked. Mm. And, and, and I was dropped and, uh, and, and was uh, put into the reserve side. I finished up the football combination top goal scorer of the season, um, um, playing for the reserves. And I, and I was still the top goal scorer for the first team until I think the penultimate game. When somebody got, got a seventh goal. <laughs> oh, that's, that's you know, crazy. Sorry, a sixth goal. Yeah, <laughs> Brian Pierce, they had signed from West Ham. You know, so so that was awful. And Bobby Robson, you 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 know, you could have... He had really had the dirty done to him. Yeah. And yet some years later, many years later, um, there, there was a reunion which I was invited to and there was a lot of the players who had ganged up against Bobby Robson. Mm. And he went in there and treated them all like old friends. That's the way he was, though. That yes. Is. Yeah. What a man. Yeah. What a man. And, uh, um, and I thought, my word, you've got broad shoulders and a big heart. <laughs> did it, uh, did you... It was really very special. Yeah. Did, did you get a sense, um, you know, when, when you were playing for Fulham, that... Um, Bobby Robson would would go on and have such a an amazing managerial career. Was the was the signs there? Well, um, I, he he was a good coach, mm. and he was very hard working. He was so enthusiastic and, and so keen. Yes, I thought that he would do well, but I didn't realise that he would ever do as well as he actually did yeah. um, and uh, um, I started to see it when he was at Ipswich yeah. um, and in particular um, I had signed for Arsenal and in the 77 World, um, FA Cup final we played Ipswich mm -hmm. which Bobby Robson was the manager and they were absolutely out of this world on the day. They they beat us one nil, but it could have been five. It was embarrassing almost. You know, and, uh, they really did play some stuff. My yeah. word, they did. Yeah, I I I, I think um, well certainly since I've started I started supporting uh, Newcastle, the biggest regret was obviously losing to Bobby because. He he transformed us <laughs> literally because we were well, we were yes. in so much now, trouble. And I, 
Yeah, he did. Uh, it brought um, European football to the club. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people disagreed with some of the signings with, and, and all sorts of other things, but he was getting results. He and um, and, and all, things were really good under him. The remarkable thing is that he was sacked at the very beginning of the season. I think there have been two games. And his last game was against Middlesbrough <laughs> and Newcastle um, down, at, um, down at Middlesbrough and at the Riverside. And uh, um, Newcastle going into added time were 2-1 up and with about a minute or so to go, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank dived and he actually punched the ball yeah. over the line. Yeah, yeah. And, and, so, and yeah, and, and Bobby Robson a, a day or two later was sacked. Yeah. And I yeah. thought, why? What, what, what on earth? And I just could not believe that uh, that they could take such an action yeah. it, it was you know there had to be something else to it because I just couldn't believe that that for what he had, all he had done uh, um, in, on with the with the team and what they did on out in the field um, and okay so it was a shame drop points at Middlesbrough but still nevertheless didn't lose and yet he was sacked and I thought why why? Yeah. I, I just couldn't see why. It was it was always in my thinking that you know he he should have stayed on as as long as he wanted to because he earned that right. Um, and then he should have you know gone upstairs like Sir Alex Ferguson is doing at Man United. Absolutely. But yes, yes, um, couldn't agree more. Couldn't you know, agree more because because he um he he wasn't just a great enthusiast of the game. But he was a great diplomat as well. Yeah, yeah. he was, and, and, and he was a, a man of great sense. Yeah, he would. He'd he come was, home. He'd come home because he was he was born in County Durham. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so he, once he left Newcastle, he was he was still settled in the area, and he yeah. wasn't going to leave. Yeah. His last uh, position, I think, in the game. Yeah, it, it was it was just unbelievable. I, I kind of. Oh yes. Yeah. Can, I, can I tell you? The, can I tell you my story about Bobby Robson? Of Robson's? course, yeah, of course. I was eight years of age, and our family lived in a in a street called Finlay Street. Mm-hmm. Finlay Street ran from Fulham Palace Road, which was the main road um, running sort of parallel to the River Thames, and Finlay Street led down to the to the main entrance at Craven Cottage. Um, and it was early January. And for my birthday, I had been given a brand new autograph book. And I thought, I've got to get all my Fulham heroes to sign my book for me. So I walked up to the, to, um, that there were sort of like about two or three bus stops at the top. Uh, and the buses would, there were all various numbers that would uh, come along. And the players w- were getting off, and, um, and, I, and I gave them um, my, 
my book and pen and ask them to sign and they were always glad to do so and then have a little chat give me the pen and the book back and then after a while Bobby Robson got off and and I said uh, oh Mr Robson I said could I have your autograph please of course you can son hold that and he's handed me his hold all which was so heavy and it's gone smack down onto the ground with my arm an additional foot longer um and 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 he's got the book and pen and he's just started walking off walked along the bit of of, of fulham palace road and then turned into finley street and and he's and so he's got a, now about um 600 yards to walk to um to the football ground and and he's talking over his shoulder to me and he said well son do you play and i'm struggling <laughs> along with his heavy bag trying to keep up yeah i do i, I, I play from the primary school it's queen's manor just up the road <laughs> oh right son and uh, are you any good you? and i said well <coughs> i can play a bit yeah you know and, I, and he said well what position do you play and I said, well, it just depends on where I'm needed, whether I play centre-half, central midfield, or centre-forward. Uh, he says, so you, you, you're probably one of the better players in the, in, at your school then. I said, well, um, you know, I, I, I sort of do all right. He said, oh, great. He said, and, uh, what foot do you kick with? Are you right-footed or left-footed? I said, oh, I'm left-footed. Oh, he said, there's always a position in a team for a left footer and he started giving me a lesson on the value of having a left-footed player in the side how they stretch the pitch wide yeah. um, that if you have a right-footed player on the left-hand side they come in and they narrow the pitch down and and so he was giving me this massive coaching lesson and then he'd go on to something else and give me another coaching lesson. And, and, he, and, and he just talked and talked and talked to me all the way down this 600-yard road. And we got to the gate at, at Craven Cottage. He's opened the book, signed it, given it to me, took the bag off me and disappeared <laughs> through the gates. Well, <laughs> Ten years later... Ten years later, I was playing for Tunbridge Football Club down in Kent in the Southern League. And I had Crystal Palace after me. But then all of a sudden, I was informed that Fulham were interested. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, Fulham's, Fulham's my club. I've supported it all my life. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to join that. And so um, I was told uh, uh, manager of Fulham, Bobby Robson, would like you to go and see him. He wants to talk to you with a view to signing you. We've agreed a fee. I said, oh, really? Yes, you've got to get up there for uh, tomorrow morning. So I've driven up. And of course, I knew my way because I, yeah. I, I knew Fulham so well. And I've parked the car and I've gone up the side steps of Craven Cottage and I've said at reception, I said, uh, my name's Malcolm McDonald. I said, and I've got an appointment to see uh, Mr. Robson. Oh, yes, he's expecting you. Go to the very end of the corridor. It's the last door on the left. 
so I've so I've got there, uh, and and I've knocked on the last door on the left, knocked on it, and and there is a delayed come in. So in I've gone, and Bobby Robson is sat with a piece of paper, and he's reading it. And he never looked up for over five minutes. And he has left me, stood by the door. Oh, God. <laughs> He's left me. Oh, so nerve-wracking, I cannot tell you. And I'm thinking, should I be here or what? I, I just wanted to disappear, literally. I later found out when I was doing the, the radio program, The Legends, up, yeah. up, up here with uh, um, uh, on the radio, uh, I found out from it, um, from Gatesy, Eric Gates, who had been a, a player at Ipswich for years with Bobby Robson as the manager, that this was a ploy with him. This is what he did in the run-up to, to discussing a contract and, and money. Yeah. And he would just make you feel as uncomfortable <laughs> as he possibly could. Yeah, so that he had the upper hand yeah. when negotiating. And so I, I stood there and stood there and stood there. And finally, he's lowered this piece of paper and he's looked up and then he's looked again and he's gone, I know you. I know you. He said, you're that little squirt who used to come and pester us at the bus stop. <laughs> he says, and do you know, he said, he said you were a stalker as well. Because that one time, he said, I remember, he said, you, you followed me all the way from the bus stop, all the way to the gates at Craven Cottage. And do you know, you never shut up all the way. <laughs> Which, of course, it was the other way round. He ended up doing all the talking. But he remembered, from, you know, 10 years before, yeah. uh, which is quite remarkable. You know, people, uh, a lot of people sort of, they, they, they took the mickey a little bit out of him um, because he could be a little bit absent-minded. Mm. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, it was just a bit of absent-mindedness. Yeah. It wasn't anything of any seriousness at all. Uh, um, for example, Eric Gates t tells a lovely, lovely story um, that uh, he was playing a practice match in training um, at Ipswich and uh, Bobby Robson, he, um, he, he shouted, Sykesy, Sykesy, drop off! And everybody went, who the hell is Sykesy? And, and in the end, Gatesy, he says, are, are you referring to me, boss? It's me you're looking at. He said, yes, I am Sykesy. He said, no, I'm Eric Gates, not Eric Sykes. <laughs> you know, and they were the kind of slips that Bobby Robson could make, you know. It, it, but that was him. That was a part of his nature. Um, and uh, no, oh, he was a wonderful man. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably one of the best stories I've actually heard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, in terms of, obviously, Playing for Newcastle, you know, even even when you joined as a number nine, with the, the shirt is steeped in in history. How how did you 
sort of cope with with the pressure. Ah. Um, I didn't see it as any pressure. Mm. I had just played two full seasons for Luton Town, the first in the third division, and then we got promoted, and then the second was in the second division. I had scored 61 goals. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was brimful of confidence. Yeah. Of course, the step up, it is, it's the biggest step up in football from, from that second level to the top level. Yeah. Um, but uh, I kept my game fairly simple in as much that I looked at, I, I sort of recognized five strengths in, in myself and a million weaknesses. So I never went anywhere near the million weaknesses. I just stuck very carefully to the strengths. Yeah which was, I was very quick, I was, I was, I was strong, um, and uh, I had, a, I had a, a real good left-footed left shot, I could head a ball. Um, so, um, you know, I was quite content with that, and I just kept it as simple as I could to those five strengths. Um, and it worked, you know. And, and, uh, when... when when I was in the press box, in the press room rather, after I'd just signed for Newcastle um, and uh, doing the um, post-signing uh, press conference, uh, I was asked by uh, one of the journalists, um, uh, how do you think you're going to find the... Um, uh, the top division, you're new to it, um, you know, will you score goals? I said, uh, my target um, for a season is exactly the same as it was at Luton. Yeah. I said, 30. The following, the following day, the big headline on the back page of that particular newspaper was Supermel. <laughs> you know, and, I, and all, all I'd said was that my target is the same. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I wasn't saying that's what I will score, but that's what I want to score. Yeah, too, yeah. um, uh, and uh, um, and I had I had a lot of arguments with coaches, with with other players, because I was I was somewhat tunnel visioned yeah. with regards to scoring goals. And uh, and a great friend of mine at Newcastle was Frank Clark, the left back. Yeah. Um, and and he and I would argue all the time, and and he was saying, no, you, you know, you've got to come back, you've got to you've got to defend. When the other side have got the ball, you've got to get back. You you've got to defend on corners. You've got to defend on free kicks and all of this. And my argument was, well, I'm more danger to the opposition on the halfway line. I keep two centre halves back there. If I come back, I bring two six foot six. Um, heading giants, um, and and so and so this argument went on. No, no, no. You've got to come back. Well, I think I should stay up. Uh, and it was January of last year. I did a talk in um, in Wall's End at a social club with Frank Clark and John Tudor. And as we were going up the stairs to the event. 
Frank said um, to me, he said, Mal, he said, I've got an apology to make. I said, oh, what's that then, Frank? He said, uh, you were right and I was wrong. He said, we should have left you up there all of the time. <laughs> you know, it sort of came about half a century too late. <laughs> At least you got it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it arrived. <laughs> um, and, and and I I think you know his years in the in the game, you know, and he played for Nottingham Forest afterwards, you know, and went yeah. and won European titles. Uh, got into management, um, and he's still very heavily involved now, Nottingham yeah. Forest. Um, and, and so for him to, to make that apology, to admit that he had got it wrong, that's quite a sea change for such an experienced guy, yeah. you know, that, uh, that, that he, he it, obviously over the years, he started to see the game in a, in a different fashion. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously you said about focusing on your strengths and just not even, you know, focusing on the weaknesses at all. Is that something you would advise Joe Linton to do? Because obviously he's his confidence is um, well shot at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do you do you do you think um, he is a goal scorer, or do you think he's a different sort no. of player? Because there's a no, lot of debate around that. He's not a goal scorer, um, and uh, he hasn't got the mentality for it. He hasn't got the desire for mm. it. Don't have the desire. You can never. You, you can't be it. You know. Yeah. You, you look at. You look at Alan Shearer, and Alan Shearer, as he came up the tunnel, he would. He would look at the goals. Yeah. Because that was his stock in trade. Yeah. Sticking the ball um, between the posts. And, and, and so, um, and I, I was very much the same, but, and what I, what I used to do was, and I, I sort of started to perfect this when I was at Luton. And so I took it with me to Newcastle that if I was going to score the number of goals that were, that I'd set myself 30, yeah. In the season. If I was going to do that, how many shots at goal did I have to have? And I worked that out that I had to have six attempts at goal every half that I played in. Yeah. They might have been um, things that went wrong. Yeah. But that, but that it was it was an attempt on my part to get a shot at goal. Yeah. It might not have finished a shot, but okay. And it had to be a minimum of six every half. And, and so I could gauge as to how well I was doing, whether I'd had those six attempts, whether I, I'd, I'd had more. Um, but I had to keep hitting that figure. And, and I think that, um, and if there's youngsters listening, to this, this is one of the most important things that they can ever learn about the art of goal scoring. Now, you see Joe Linton, which we who we mentioned just a while back. You can see that he's frightened. Yeah, yeah. he's frightened 
of getting the ball at his feet in front of the goal. Um, and you'll see that other other players can be frightened in that yeah. particular um, situation. And that's because what they don't realise is you have to miss. Yes. Yeah. If you're going to score goals, you have to miss them. And so, if you miss, okay, doesn't matter. You know, it, it, it shouldn't affect you. It shouldn't get you down. Yeah. It shouldn't make you worried. Because missing is a part of goal scoring. Yeah. yeah. It's if you're not missing, that's the exactly. problem. Yeah. 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 And, and Joe Linton, he's not missing because he's not, he's, he's not getting there to have any yeah. shots um, at goal. So he's yeah. not missing. Yeah. You know, and he Wait. thinks that he's doing the best thing. And yeah. he's not doing the worst thing. Because <laughs> when, you're, when you're obviously missing, at least you're getting into the right areas. That's to right. At least get the chances. Um, Absolutely, but... yes. And, you, and um, even though you might be missing, you're still worrying the centre-half. Yeah. I... Two centre-halves, you know, and they go, Ooh, okay, come on, we've got to stop this fella. You know, yeah. the next one might go in. I, th- I um, think... And, and... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. You, you, and you just put the fear into their heads yeah yeah it's 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 a strange one with him because um i fought against um sheffield united when he missed that chance you know you you could see his head drop a little bit and that that always happens with him when he misses a chance his head drops and i think that's that's probably the worst thing you can do and and you you, you mentioned shira and he was just Mm -hmm. a sort of he was just because different because you miss it is that is just um, one more step towards your next goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you should look at it, and he doesn't look at it like that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, mind, in all fairness, um, he he um, he did recover in as much that in the second half that he went through and he uh, and he did get that uh, tap in from what three or four yards um the 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 one thing that i would say though was that for that goal all of a sudden he 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 laid it off and then he turned and he just sprinted yeah do you know that was the second sprint he's had since he's been here (laughs) the first one was when he scored his first goal in the cup match yeah? Well, yeah, and and so the vast majority of times he will get the ball, lay it off, and not move. Yeah, um, yeah. But when he turns and sprints, he's difficult to mark. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you stand standing still, it's so simple to mark somebody. Yeah, you know? I thought that his goal against Sheffield United was actually really good because he's. He basically made the goal for himself as well, and yes, he did. Yeah, it's a thirty-yard sprint. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and it was a and it was a cross that that could have been uh, that could have just fizzed all the way across yeah. and gone for a throw-in on the other side, but uh, but he made it happen by turning and sprinting, and it, and I'm not so sure that he's learned from it. You know, he's got two goals now, and yeah. each time it's come in the same way. Yeah. 
he turned him and poof, sprinted yeah. for goal. And, and he finishes up getting on, on the end of the, uh, of the uh, final pass and knocks it in. Thank you very much. Um, but then the next time he lays the ball off, turns and doesn't move. Mm. Yeah. Do you, so do you think that tells me he's got no real desire, which a goal scorer has got to have. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you think? Because um, there's a theory going about, and I kind of believe it to an extent. Um, will the empty stadiums sort of help him? Because obviously, if he misses a chance, then there's not going to be thousands of groans at him, and and then sort of the head drops even further. Do you think that'll help him in a way? He's, um, yes, it can um, for a player in his situation. The, the amazing thing is that he'll be the only player on the pitch that uh, nobody being in the stadium helps. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, for, for all the other players, it's a lack of atmosphere, you know, and, you, and, and, and a crowd always gives you a lift. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because with with that it would it would help Joe Linton a little bit, but at the same time it's going to hinder Saint Maximin because he he sort of you know he, when he gets the ball he listens to the crowd and they're they're off their seats oh, and yes. it, it just it just drives him off on that little yeah. bit more and it's it's just interesting to to see the sort of difference in it. Um, but kind of talking about strikers, it's it's a good transition to the next. Um, sort of question um, what are your thoughts on modern day strikers because to me it seems like the day of an out and out goal scorer has seemed to have faded a little bit strikers seem to don't seem to be as selfish as they used to be such such as Shearer, Lineker, Cole and, and Ferdinand you know yeah. just the art of scoring goals now there seems Absolutely. to be more emphasis on assists and things like that yeah uh... What I would say is that, um, that there's a lot less um, English and British um, forwards. Yeah. Um, and so so um, Europeans, South Americans, they have a quite different mindset mm. to it all. Uh, and, of course, there's a lot of foreign coaching. Yeah. And I, and I, I honestly believe that... If I were to be playing now with the attitude that I had back in the 70s, I would be at loggerheads with all the foreign coaches there are around. Well, in fact, with the British coaches as well. Yeah. You know, that it's team play, team play, team play, team play, um, which is all very well, but you just need somebody to go and turn the game yeah. in favour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can't do that by pass, 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 pass. Yeah. So do you think you would clash a lot with Guardiola? Yeah. 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 <laughs> them all. yeah. But when I when when uh, um, when I was uh, a manager, um, players they went, oh, what what what's he saying? Wow. You know when I I was ordering them to turn and have shots, yeah. uh, ordering them to, uh, uh, um, to, to, to take people on, you know, that, uh, and, and the way I've always worked it 
in my head is um, that in the last third, your defensive third, you are ultra cautious and you play it safe at all yeah. times. So if you have to boot it, you boot it. But get it away from yeah. the goal. In the middle, you do not lose possession. And, and yes, you get moving and what have you. And you're always aware of what's up ahead for when the space occurs. In the last third, that's where you have a license to go and lose the ball. Yeah. And the best way, of, and I always used to tell my, the players and my team, the best way to lose the ball is stick it in the net so that they've got to kick off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah um, that is. And, that they is. Went, you know, and you could see the players going, oh, well, never heard that before. Never thought that way before. Yeah. It's, I am being given license to go and lose the ball. Yeah, sort of a, a Keegan. The last third, yes. Yeah. Yes, go and do it. Yeah, sort of a Keegan-esque philosophy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And on on managers, our current what, current one, Steve Bruce. What do you what do you make of the job he's done so far? Well, I think he's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, Although I have to say, I was hugely disappointed with what I saw and witnessed um, in the Man City game. Yeah, it was it was awful. <laughs> well, it was awful, but he but he went to playing five at the back. Yeah, yeah. When you play against a side like Man City, who are going to press you, the best place. To go and play your football is in their half, yeah, not yeah. in your own. But if you play five at the back, and particular, and particularly if they're of a mind to drop off too easily, yeah, then then you get stuck in your own half, yeah, um, because uh, your back four drops, and and it and once they drop, the midfield must drop to try yeah. and keep a contact and that means that your forwards up there or, or in Newcastle's case it was just Andy Carroll yeah. Yeah. yeah and he's completely isolated yeah. and he's one against four yeah for, for me and he so was the, the only one goes to him he's got no chance yeah. um as much as he's prepared to fight and battle he's got no chance that was and, and, and so there's got to be a better way. You don't need five defenders against against Man City to start with. Yeah, yeah. You know that you can you can push. You can put more into midfield. You can get you can get an extra body up front. But when Man City have got the ball, okay, yes, you can start to drop off. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't need five at the back to start with. Yeah. You, know, you don't get anywhere. Yeah, with that and I found it a very negative, very negative indeed. Yeah, it was uh, it was frustrating because I thought yeah. there, there was, I was screaming at them to sort of you know, rough City up a bit because they don't like it when when teams do that. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. And Andy Carroll seemed to be the only one sort of putting himself about a bit. Yes. And, yes, um, he was, and, and nobody picked up from him, did they? No. No. Nobody, nobody said, hey, come on, he's having a go. Come on, let's get in there and join him. And and that's where the crowd sort of 
would would lift the whole team and then you would sure. you would go again. So it was disappointing, but it was just for me it was the lack of sort of fight in the team on Sunday that, that we're sort of so used to seeing from this set of players. Yeah. It, it just didn't seem to be there. And that was the most frustrating thing. I was screaming, mm. screaming a lot on yeah. the TV. So. Yeah. But, but playing five at the back, it creates a negative mindset as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, so you're, and, sort of lost when you're playing you Man out. City, you can't be negative. Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah, it was disappointing on the, on Sunday, to say the least, yeah. uh, to say the least. Um, so, in terms of um, you know, you've you've scored an awful lot of goals throughout your career. Um, but I wanted to pick up on like two stadiums. Um, how did it? Um, how did scoring at St James's Park compare with scoring at Highbury? Because they're two very unique and, and wonderful stadiums. Uh, yeah. Yes, Highbury was. Yeah, it doesn't exist now. Um, well, the the, the exterior um, it has a has a, an order on it, so it has to remain. But yeah, it's, but it's all been turned into flats. Flats, and, yeah, 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 and what have you. Um, so sad. Um, but but there we are. They move on, and and the Emirates is an unbelievable stadium. I've yeah. never ever seen anything quite like it. Quite phenomenal. Um, at Newcastle, scoring a goal there, um, it really was quite special, very special. That the, the response that that came, uh, it oh, wow, it, it 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 sent shivers up the spine. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. You know, you. I could feel the, the hairs sticking up. Um, and, and at Highbury, it's a bit more subdued at most grounds, yeah. Yeah. the vast majority of grounds. It's much, much um, more subdued um, than, than what you can experience at uh, St. James. And yeah. it's, it's a one-off place. It yeah, really is. It certainly it's is. It's a one-off place. Um, and I remember bringing my Fulham side to St. James Park and, and, and I told them, I told the players about it, you know, and, it, and of course, St. James Park to Fulham football ground, they are so uh, many poles apart, you yeah. know, that, that they are really are opposites. You know, the, the crowd at Fulham, it's a very genteel crowd <laughs> yeah. um, but by comparison. Um, and and so, um, I, I I just kept talking to them about it over the few days before the game, and and I said, when, when you get out there, when you hear it, experience it, embrace it, yeah, and 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 you can you can let it be a power for yourself to use, um, and 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 we ran riot there. And the players, they came in at the end. They said, hey, what, a, what an atmosphere. I loved it. Loved playing in that atmosphere. <clears throat> if only we could have that at Fulham. And I thought, good. It worked. They yeah. did embrace it. You know, and, and you can use it as a force to power you on. Um, and that's what St. James Park can do. Yeah. You know, yeah. the crowd, it's, it's an absolute one-off. And... Uh, uh, and 
Never have I known a club that have supporters who are so powerfully in support of the club yeah. that that they sort of almost forget that it's um, fifty odd years yeah. since since a trophy was won. We, we you tell know, not that. that it's, you know, it's what's happening now. Come on, let's make it all happen yeah. now. For, for for me, it's it's all about a sense of hope. I don't I don't care about anything yes. else. But as as long as I've got something to, to kind of hope for, to dream about, so then then I'm happy. But the last thirteen years, I've I've rarely had that feeling to to kind of grasp onto. But then there's the mm-hmm. the lads on the pitch, and it's not their fault. So you you kind of put everything into that to, to kind of lift them and, and to drive them on. And it, it is a unique place. Like uh, I sit in a Gallagate and, and every time we score a goal, it, it, there are occasions where I'm flung a couple of rows forward and it's, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's incredible. You don't end the game in your seat at all. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is a, a special, special place. And, and I hope yeah. um, we're going to touch on it in a minute, but I hope, providing the takeover goes through, we do have some, some hope to kind of cling on to. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on that, what are your thoughts on, on the takeover saga, shall we call it now? <clears throat> well, um, my personal belief is that it will all happen. Mm. It might not be tomorrow or next week. It might take a little more time than we'd like, but it, I am... Um, convinced it will happen yeah there have been too many precedents in football in this country um for anybody to say no newcastle yeah. it can't happen yeah too many precedents um that it would be really um viciously picking on newcastle united yeah, yeah. um if it were to stop and so um, yes, there are there are going to be people who are going to moan and groan, complain, and come up with all sorts of reasons why it shouldn't happen. Um, but football is a business. Yeah, business is business, and this country, the government, they have way too much going on with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so much business happening that um, they can't start being, nit, you know, nitpickers. Yeah. They yeah. can't do it. You know, that that the world has got to go around. You know, and, and for heaven's sake, okay, so there are things that we don't like in Saudi Arabia, but that's the Middle East. But who, who are we to say? Because that, there are things that they don't like about us. Yeah, yeah. You it's... know, but they, but they don't stop business from happening. Yeah. You know, that, that you have to sort of, embrace all sorts um uh, and i know that that certain people will hear what i've just said and say yes but there are very questionable things that have yes i know yeah but there are also questionable things that go on here as well yeah you know, we probably don't see them as clearly as people outside of this country do yeah. you know so let's let, let's be very broad-minded, and, and and what I think is that particularly, 
considering the circumstances that we are all facing right now, it is a fresh influx of money, yeah. huge money. Yeah. The game is desperate for it. Over the next three years, once the takeover has succeeded, there is going to be a lot of money, fresh money, coming into the game. Yeah. And this game, it's, it, it, it's almost going onto the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah. So fresh money is vital. You know, you, and we can't afford, when I say we, I mean the whole footballing community cannot afford to say no to the, these vast sums um, coming into the game. And, uh, um, and so I think we've got to use a lot of common sense um, about this and that this, this transfer will be great for the game throughout the country. Yeah. But also, I seriously believe that within three years, we could see a complete change around within Newcastle United, a yeah. total change around, and that, 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 that Newcastle United will be seriously challenging. Yeah. And I mean yeah. seriously challenging. Yeah. But all trophies. Yeah, I think I think the point that that sort of gets missed in a way because the, a lot of people focus on on the bad things and and, and whatnot, and and they are bad. You know, we we're not going to be around the bush about that. But sure. the the there are, there's things that are missed and um, positive things that are regularly missed. Where um, should it go through? They're going to pump loads of money, not just into the club, but into the area of, of Newcastle, the North East. And, and I think that's desperately needed as well um, because we always tend to say that we're a bit forgotten about up here and it would just be, it, it, would, it would be unbelievable. It, and it, it, it is unbelievable to me that despite what's going on with the world, that they still want to invest. And I think that shows how serious they are and how amazing it, it would be should it go through. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and the, and and the guy who um, is looking to to become the the, um, the kingpin, the, the, mm. the, the chairman in the situation, yeah. he, um, he 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 gained control of a particular company, and their turnover um, um, he quadrupled. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in a matter in a matter of three or four years, yeah. Yeah. you know, a matter of a few short years, he could quadruple it. He can do that there, and then do it at Newcastle. Wow, great! Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. It's, uh, yeah. it, it would um, be uh, exciting. Yes, it would. It would. It would be hugely exciting, and and at the same time, it would be great reward. I think for all the supporters yeah. of the club, because yeah. I think they. They've been through a very frustrating um, decade, at least. Yeah. The the thing is that they've never turned their backs. No, no, it's it, you know, it's still, too difficult to. It's... Yeah, that that they that they've stayed true, um, and I and that's why I I really do respect um, 
uh, Geordie supporters. Yeah. Really do because um, they're not they're not over demanding like a lot of clubs yeah. have from yeah. their supporters. It's uh, it's it's tough because it's 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 just a tradition up here to to go to the game and and then mm. to to kind of lose that and and sort of refuse not to to not go. I know I know a lot of people have done so since since Benitez yes. left and and I take my hat off to them because I know I certainly couldn't do it. I, I guess that makes me weak in some way, um, but it, it's just that sense of. I don't know loyalty and and kind of being a part of something that that makes me keep wanting to go each week and mm-hmm. and I and I think a lot of people are like that around here. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, it, it should should that happen? Should a takeover go through? Like the sky would be the limit for us. Hopefully, it certainly would. And 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 one thing that hasn't been mentioned is that. Uh, the Geordies do like to have a good moan, don't they? Oh, we do. We love it. Yeah, um, yeah. God. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so actually, certainly um, provided plenty of moaning. Yeah, I, I do feel like if, if it does go through, what, what on earth are we going to do? I mean, I, I don't think there'll be much to moan about. I'm sure we'll find something, but um, uh, mm. yeah, <laughs> that'll, oh, be, yes. that'll be the one difficult thing. Um, and also, um, just before we, we finish up here, we've got like two questions to go. Um, okay. There's a um, sticky situation, shall I put it, regarding Matty Longstaff and his contract situation. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's signed to, to extend it until the, to the end of the, the current season, um, but not beyond that. What, what advice would you have for him right now well, as, a, as a young lad? Um, today, he can just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that his contract officially ended yesterday. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, quite what, what they're doing on that, I really don't know. Why the club have allowed this situation to develop, I don't know. Mm. Um, if Matty Longstaff chooses to walk away, and let's be honest, because the club have done nothing about it, yeah. you must feel very undervalued. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, and, and he's a great Newcastle supporter. So is his brother. So yeah. is the, the, the whole of their family. And yeah. they are a lovely, super, super family. They yeah. really are. Yeah. Um, you know, they're all so sensible. They've got their feet on the ground. Um, I, uh, I'm president of North Shields Football yeah. Club, which is where the guys come yeah. from. And they often come, if, when they haven't got a game on a Saturday afternoon, they often yeah, come they? Yeah. To, yeah. to come and see us play uh, at North Shields. Um, and, it's, um, and it's lovely to see them, yeah. you know, and they, and they just join in with all the crowd, you know, the, there's no airs and graces about them at all. Lovely, lovely lads. They, they can both play. But I, I, I really do feel that we saw enough of... Um, of, of young Matty much earlier in this mm-hmm. season for, for the club to really push the boat out yeah. and, and get the yeah. and, and get him um, signed on a contract. In fact, they could have done it last season yeah. without him even playing in the first team. And the fact that they have allowed this to drag on so, um, it, it, it's, I, I think it's a, it, it's a crime. Yeah, what they've yeah. done. 
Yeah. It really is. And and if Matty walks away, I shall wish him all the very best of luck and, and really hope that uh, that he becomes um, a huge name in the game and, yeah. and, and wins all sorts. Uh, and who knows, maybe international football. But I, for the life of me, somebody has got to stand up and, and say, I've got it wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that, that I think that's that's the issue at the moment. You're right. It could have been done a long time ago, and I think that it's got to this stage now, where with, with the takeover going on, that they sort of using that as an excuse to go, oh well, this is happening, so we can't, you know, we can't continue with it. We can't make the decision, and and that's the most frustrating part. And I think that would well, frustrate Matt the yeah. most as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and uh, um, and I. I feel sorry for the lad because he yeah. he must he must feel unwanted. Yeah, yeah. Unwanted, unloved, you know. And yet he's just come into the first team this season, and he's been doing terrific things. Uh, and also, um, just one thing on his brother Sean. Um, if they're going to play Sean. Um, they've got to get the right people in midfield with him. Mm. What they have at the moment, uh, just, um, you know, Shelby. Shelby is not the player for um, young Sean to, to mm. play with. Um, Hayden, I'm, I'm not a Hayden lover, I have to say. Oh, yeah. All right. No, no. Um, uh, and, I, and I don't think that, that they work either. Mm. Um, it, it needs um, it needs it all to be rethought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so none of the the current squad is, do you think, is the ideal partner for for Sean? No, I think no, I think they've got to look around and yeah. uh, get the right person in. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, and and with John Joe Shelby, you know, he he can be a terrific player. But then he can be an awful player, <laughs> yeah. you know. That he, yeah. You know, all of us—you never know what he's going to do next. All of a sudden, he, he just disappears, and 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 you find him behind the two centre halves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, and you think, oh, come on. You know, and then the next thing, um, it, all of a sudden, he's up playing playing with the centre forwards. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's uh, it is frustrating. Um, and finally. Um, so this is what we, we usually end on. Um, if you could go back in time to watch any game as a fan, which would it be? It could it could be one that you actually played in. All right. Uh, Liverpool, home debut. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say yeah. that one. Beat them 3-2, scored a hat-trick on my home debut. And yeah, that will always stay as probably one of the most precious memories yeah. um, that I could have. Great answer. Um, so thank you so much for joining me, Malcolm. It's it's been, honestly it's been a, a pleasure. Um, well, that's fine. <laughs> you've been listening to CHN Radio. How are the lads? Indeed. Thank you. I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home
yourself If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Geordie And to live in Geordie land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wing I've walked the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names. Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river tonight I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again Brave the dog is in James's pocket, the Gallagher's